Baseball season is right around the corner and Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman will serve as your guides to the good, the bad, and the utterly bizarre corners of the baseball world on Baseball Barbecue. In the run-up to the season, they'll dive into the rabbit hole on some of their favorite fascinations from the home run derby to baseball brawls and more. Once the MLB season returns, they'll break down the latest news and developments with their trademark wit and irreverence. Check out Baseball Barbecue on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by my co-host, Danny Kelly. Yes, there are two Dannys. It's a little confusing. You may know us from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, which we record every Wednesday during the offseason. You can find that. But we are also coming to you every Friday until the draft here on the Ringer NFL show for the big board where we will rank something every Friday. And our <laughs> guest this week is our yeah. friend, Roger Sherman. Are you currently being attacked by your two dogs? Yeah. Did you hear some squeaky noises just now? <laughs> or did we edit out the squeaky noise? TBD. Every... I don't know why podcasts don't just have random dogs crying and yelling and, and squeaking toys in the background. I think that'd spice up the football chat. I think that your dogs would probably be really good football players or at least be good kickers. Yeah, they got an eye for the ball. Uh, good in the open fields. <laughs> it's, it's jittery. That's the key. But today we're going to be talking draft. And this year, just talking draft means quarterbacks. But this mm. year it means quarterback trades. It's really weird. I think I first really realized how big the trades were going to be for this year's draft. When I saw Mel Kuyper did his first mock draft and he has trades in his mock draft for the first time in like 40 years. He's been doing he mock drafts for four decades. He's never included wow. trades. And he's like, this year I have to do it. And that's just kind of the theme of the whole year. So we're going to go through the last t- 10 years of draft trades and all the ones that where teams have traded up for a quarterback in the first round. And we're going to see kind of what that says about this year's draft and what it means for this field. But first, DK and Roger, we want to talk to you guys about the quarterbacks that probably are going to go in the first round for this year's draft. Mm-hmm. So you got obviously we know Trevor Lawrence is going to go first. The Jaguars aren't trading. But DK, I'm curious if you see a theme or a pattern or anything between Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, any of these guys. What do you think of when we take Lawrence out of this group? What do you think about this group of dudes? Yeah, I mean, I think to me, the biggest question is whether Zach Wilson or Justin Fields is going to be the second quarterback picked. And I mean, right now, the consensus has Zach Wilson being the guy like most. I think the hype right now is all about Zach Wilson. Um, There have been more question marks about Justin Fields, I guess, over the last couple of months after every after all the season's been over um, for whatever reason. Zach Wilson has ascended. Justin Fields has kind of fallen off. You know, some some analysts will have him second, third, fourth. Uh, you know, there's a lot of buzz this morning because Chris Sims ranked his quarterbacks as Zach Wilson as the number one guy, even over Trevor Lawrence. So Zach Wilson has a ton of buzz right now, a ton of hype. And so it's looking most likely like he's going to be the number two, like the second quarterback picked. And 
Um, if he is, I think the Jets are going to be the team. I mean, they're probably not going to trade out of that spot, move on from Sam Darnold. Roger, what is, what is your impression of this whole situation with, with Zach Wilson, Justin Fields? My, my first thought was like, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the scenario we, ha- we saw a couple of years ago where you had um, Mitchell Trubisky kind of emerge as this, like the, the overall consensus top guy in a class that also had Deshaun Watson and don't put, uh, Patrick don't Mahomes. Put Mitch Trubisky on him. That's, that's, I'm, that's, the, I'm not, that's just the meanest thing you can say about any person. <laughs> <laughs> you remind here's, me here's, of Mitch here's Trubisky. Why, here, Here's why I'm doing that. So to just take the Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields thing and say Wilson is Trubisky, Fields is, say, Deshaun Watson. Because actually, Deshaun Watson has a lot of similarities to Fields, I think. Um, so Fields, accomplished, high pedigree, big game, battle-tested, big program, you know, national title games, you know, all that stuff. Versus Wilson, who is a meteoric riser, kind of a sandlock playmaker. Now, this is kind of getting off the the analogy because I don't think that's necessarily what Trubisky was. Sandlot playmaker, off-platform thrower, fun style, but he didn't do it against top-tier competition. So I guess my question is, is Zach Wilson closer to Mitch Trubisky or is he closer to like Mahomes? Is he the Mahomes in this scenario where... No, we're not comparing anyone to Mahomes. That's a rule. No one gets compared to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, a lot of people are doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm saying a lot of people are doing it, which I think is absolutely absurd, but... um. Yeah, I don't know. to me, this this whole situation is very fascinating. I think Fields is, to me, the clear number two quarterback in this class. But Wilson is definitely the consensus number two guy right now. Roger, what's your take on the Jets? What should, who, what should they do? I, I found myself at this point, I'm excited about um, four of the five quarterbacks in this draft besides yeah. Mac Jones. I talked myself into pretty much any one of them being the number two. I think Fields is the one that, to me, has stood out for the longest time that has been the most consistent and the guy who has so many of these traits that seem to be successful in modern quarterbacks. It's funny. I've like kind of changed my philosophy on this almost a hundred percent. I used to look for players who like had great, you know, efficient stats who Mm -hmm. were, you know, setting records in terms of efficiency, like Tua, like Baker, and then um, yep. I've kind of been disappointed in both of those players. And then you've seen players who have these athletic packages um, and are able to throw on the run and have great arms. Those guys are the ones who have been successful in the NFL. So I've gotten 180 degrees. I don't like Mac Jones and I like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's definitely fair. I, yeah, the, With regards to what the Jets should do, I should mention I'm a Jets fan and, you know, it's not fun being a Jets fan. Um, I've also talked myself into the fact that most likely what's going to happen is like three of the quarterbacks are going to do really well and the Jets are going to take the one who doesn't with the number two pick. Like you can yeah. absolutely book it. You know, I mean, we basically did this with Sam Darnold. Right. You know, but like God, <laughs> there were multiple other great quarterbacks there. Uh, you know, they could have taken Josh Allen. They could have taken Lamar Jackson. And um, I guess Sam Darnold did turn out better than Josh Rosen. So we've got that to be thankful for. I mean, that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this episode today was the Darnold trade. It's like the Jets throw three second rounders out there to move up three spots. And then it seems like Darnold's going to go anyway. And so it seems unclear if trading up even works at this point. Trading down works. It's just it, it, it doesn't even make sense. If you look at the history. So we wanted to just do that today. So you guys want to just go backwards 
start like 2011 or so, and then like just look at all these first round trade ups. We're going to go through these first round trades. And before we do, I'd like to issue my hypothesis. Okay, please hit us. My hypothesis is the problem with trading up isn't necessarily, you know, giving up the picks, but I feel like the odds of any one quarterback succeeding aren't high enough to make it worth it. And there are a lot of times other quarterbacks on the board who you could have just drafted anyway. And they might have, and they might turn out well, or if not, in many cases, they've turned out better than the guy who you ended up trading up to take. And I think, I, I think that'll show, but we'll see. Yeah. The odds of any one quarterback being worth giving up draft capital to get aren't that high. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to to me. Beautiful. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. At the end of the episode, we're going to go through the top five quarterbacks in this class, and we're going to see which of them we think maybe are worth trading up for and what they bring to the table. But first, let's go through all the trades from the last 10 years. We're going we're starting with 2011 for a simple reason. That's when the new collective bargaining agreement was signed. That's the difference between like Sam Bradford being the highest paid player in NFL history when he was like the first pick and has never played before. And then the next year they signed the CBA and Cam Newton gets like he ends up being like the 30th highest paid player on his own team. So that's really when the whole value of quarterbacks changed. Teams didn't really even like drafting quarterbacks kind of high. It was like this double-edged sword from the jump. So <laughs> we're starting in 2011 because that's really modern when these modern trades kind of began. So let's just start at the top. <laughs> the first one, 2011. The only trade-up, Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> oh, man. I the forgot Jaguars about this. moved the second rounder to go up six spots. Did you guys remember Blaine Gabbert existed? I kind of forgot about him. <laughs> I remember him because he was the backup quarterback. Yeah, he won. He, he's he's out there right now winning Super Bowls. I don't know what <laughs> yeah, you're he's talking a Super about. Bowl champion. Blaine, yeah. Well, anytime you can trade up <laughs> to get a Super Bowl QB like Blaine Gabbert, you've got to do it. And he also tweeted something ridiculous with him and Tom Brady. It was like real G's move in silence like lasagna. Yes, yes. And uh, to be fair, he, he he did move in silence. I hadn't heard about him for I hadn't heard about him for years. Anyways, That's a very good uh, point. The ultimate dream in life, backup QB on a Super Bowl winning team. Tom Brady can have all the glory. You just got it. But anyway, the trade. The uh the Jags wanted Blaine Gabbert. Uh they gave up. Also, the pick that turned into Ryan Kerrigan for Washington. So that worked out for Washington. And they took Blaine Gabbert 10th, and then J.J. Watt went 11th. Ugh. And 
also, um, you know, Andy Dalton was hanging around there. He went early in the second round and has been better in every single way than Blaine Gabbert. So I don't think they needed to trade up to get. So we're going to say the Jaguars lost here. You want to think about it more? Do we need to discuss this longer? (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say that they did not need to trade up. If I told you in 2011 that Blaine Gabbert would be a quarterback on a Super Bowl winning team in Florida. All right, the, we're, we're going to give the Jaguars the L on this. It's very controversial. Maybe people can. I think that's clear. Think that that's a terrible decision. All right. The thing about the thing about Blaine Gabbard's draft that you have to remember is that they came out with a Sports Illustrated cover that had a picture of Cam Newton and Jake Locker and Blaine Gabbard right next to him. And it, the headline was <laughs> the, choice. the 2011 QB cast, the toughest call in football. Oh my God! And it wasn't that tough a call because because Cam was a lot better than Blaine Gabbard or Dick Locker. Well, how about that? <laughs> Who's won a Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, there you go, Super Bowls. Twenty twelve, the RG three trade. So this one's wild. It's really even complicated to even to say. Washington moved up four spots. They were they swapped the sixth pick for the second pick, and they gave a second and two future firsts, and that basically became a laundry list of players. Michael Brockers, Janoris Jenkins, Alec Ogletree, Isaiah Peets, Deadman Bailing, Zach Stacy, Greg Robinson, who was the number two pick in the draft and was off the team in three years. Yikes. This is one of those, this is a, this trade to me is one of the biggest reminders that the draft is an absolute crapshoot. And even if you're giving up a lot to move up for a guy, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to turn all these draft picks, all this, this loot into like a winning team. You still have to make the right picks. And so obviously the Rams were mired in mediocrity for a long time just because you know they were unable to kind of like capitalize on this trade i will say the rg3 thing is complicated because obviously injuries kind of ended his career ended his effective you know superstardom that he had as a as a rookie do you guys look back at rg3 to me he's one of the biggest sort of what if players of this generation of this like era because as a rookie what he was able to do. So looking back at his rookie season, he had 3,200 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, five picks, 815 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. He was sort of at the very beginning of the read option craze that took over the NFL for the 2010s, I'd say. Um, And obviously he tore up his knee in the playoffs, but he had won the rookie of the year. He was a pro bowler as a rookie. And he was sort of on his way to being a legend, but then it all kind of just fell apart. Roger, what what was your kind of impression of the RG three? I still occasionally find myself believing in RG three. Like he uh, he started <laughs> right. a game this year, remember? And I was like, oh yeah, it's time yeah. for him to break out again. Heifetz did too, by the way. <laughs> he had one of the worst games of the season for any quarter uh, for any starting quarterback, um, and the Ravens lost to the Steelers. But yeah, he was such a phenomenon at and and also sort of part of the college offense uptick at Baylor, you know, mm-hmm. he, they showed that they could, you know, do really well, just throwing a lot and throwing a lot of touchdown. I mean, not saying that they invented that, but you know, <laughs> it showed that that was a way you could win the Heisman and be a top pick. This was such a strange trade because it really seemed like Washington had won it because they had a superstar quarterback and then he got injured. And then it really seemed like the Rams had won it. And I don't know if you remember this, but in 2014, the Rams played Washington and Jeff Fisher made his captain yeah. for the game 
the six players who he acquired oh, yeah. and he sent Holy them God. out for the coin toss. <laughs> he sent out Janoris Jenkins, Michael Brocker, Zach Stacy, Stedman Bailey, Greg Robinson, and Alec Ogletree to take the pregame coin toss. And it was like, yeah, we owned you in this trade. We dominated <laughs> you guys. And then like none of those players ended up being meaningful for that is hilarious. So it's it I I'd, I'd agree with Danny. It was kind of a wash. And it really sold both sides of this. If you get your franchise QB, give up anything to get them. And then, no, actually, that's not true. You want that draft capital because anybody could fail. And everybody missed. Yeah, I think that just thinking here, but what's the verdict? Like, who won this trade? Did the, I, no one did. It, it Like, to me, this is the cautionary tale of, like, winning the offseason. We've become obsessed with who has the most picks and the Dolphins, all these first rounders, the Browns had all these first rounders. Just looking at the list of what the Rams actually did with all of these picks. I mean, getting the number two pick in the draft, taking a tackle and not even getting four years out of that guy. It's just a reminder that having these picks doesn't mean anything if you don't actually pick the players. DK, you said that earlier. And I know that's the dumbest point in the world. Well, you got to make the players. But, but it's true. It's it, Having a <laughs> lot of picks in and of itself is literally meaningless. And I just, I don't know, no one won this trade. And I think it's this trade, we, we talked about this a little bit when the Rams traded Jared Goff. They've basically decided since this trade that they don't care about the draft at all. Yeah. <laughs> because they got all these picks and they didn't turn out into anything. That's and they were like, okay, let's, yeah. let's, we don't care about these picks. Let's go get Jared Goff. We don't care about these picks. Let's go get Jalen Ramsey. We don't care about these picks. Let's get Jared Goff off of our team. It's really, I think, once this happened, the Rams completely changed their their thinking. And, and the maybe in the end, that might make them losers because they ended up giving a lot to get Jared Goff and then give them up. But we'll talk about that. You no, know, I think that's a good point, though. This was the first big move that Les Need, the GM of the Rams, made. And then since then, his philosophy seems to be a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. And that's like how they've just been right. doing the whole thing, except it's more like four picks for Jalen Ramsey or whatever. All right. So wash of a trade 2014 <laughs> Browns traded for Johnny Menzel. I don't know. What do you think, guys? How this Johnny go? football, the Browns draft history in the 2010s and, and 20 like the 2000s is just so depressing to look at. I, can, I actually kind of forgot about this. So this is owner Jimmy Haslam just wanted Johnny Menzel and basically forced his new GM to take Johnny Menzel because he was obsessed with Johnny. It, yeah. it wasn't like a, a huge trade from the perspective of like all these teams trading up to get number one. I think they moved up from 24 to 22. Yeah, it yeah, was, it was, it was, it was relatively. It was absolutely yeah. minuscule. They ended up getting essentially they flipped it for a fourth and fifth rounder. It was like nothing as, as a trade. Even like I'm looking at it and thinking sit there and either you get Johnny Manziel two picks later and that doesn't work out, whatever. But Teddy Bridgewater was there. And I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was awesome in college and has turned out to have a better career than have a better career than either of the quarterbacks drafted ahead of him. I think like Bortles and Johnny. And I think that would have been a fine thing to happen to Cleveland to get that player instead of, you know, trading up to get Johnny. So I think that's the thing with these trades there, there was a better quarterback available and they wouldn't have needed to trade up to get him. I gotta be honest. I feel like Johnny football was overrated. I like, like, like I always come back to the iconic like play he college? had against yeah for in college, college when he, okay. when he was had that iconic play against Alabama and he like ran all over the place and then found the guy in the end zone. He bailed from a clean pocket. He didn't have to do anything, 
And then two, the guy was wide open. And everyone's like, Heisman, Heisman. I'm like, that that would have been way easier if he had just stood still. Clearly, you haven't been watching the fan-controlled football league where <laughs> Johnny Menzel is is popping off for the zappers. The zappers? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have, I I'll be honest, I missed words. the zappers games. They're great. They're on Twitch. I was looking back at this trade, and I was trying to remember kind of like the impression that people had coming into it. Obviously, so Heifetz thinks he was overrated. That's fine. But at the time, people were very enamored with sort of his, you know, playmaking moxie, for lack of a better term. And I went back and looked at some scattering reports. And a lot of the things about his scattering report are like very favorable. Like a lot of teams would still be looking at this like as a as a plus, like running ability, playmaker, gunslinger attitude, instincts. These, these are from real scattering reports I found. Um, seems to be a step ahead of the defense, throws a good deep ball. But then with him... The major thing was, well, there was two things. His size, he was, he's a very small guy. And number two, the off-field stuff. And when I was going through and reading this, I, I found this like snippet from brobible.com. Apparently, they leaked a scouting report that was supposedly from the Patriots organization. And it said, and this is, quote, everything has been pretty well documented in online articles about the kid, but sources say he's a spoiled brat. Uh, his grandfather gives him an allowance. His father brought, bought him a luxury car. And he doesn't study the film. Is said to know about 60% of the offense. Never watches film. And blah, blah, blah. So when this happened, they asked Bill Belichick about this. And I completely forgotten about it. But I thought it's hilarious and worth talking about. He did sort of a non-denial. He didn't, he didn't deny it nor confirm it. He said, we have a ton of information on all players that are in the draft. What's online? You should go talk to the geniuses that are online. I don't know. My face, your face, instant face. Go talk to whoever <laughs> does that stuff. I don't know. Instant face. He loves to face. pretend to not know the names of social media. We need an updated version for this for Belichick because we don't know what he's going to pretend to think TikTok is called. Snippy snappy. Snippy yeah. snappy. <laughs> Talky tick. The rules are it has to have a face in it. FaceTime. <laughs> My I, face, your face. He he kept going with it. I, I he like he might be a great coach, but I think over the course of his career, he's been better at inventing fake social media websites <laughs> to prove he doesn't go online. Instant oh face God. is my favorite. Instant face. <laughs> Maybe he just was ahead of his time on that one. All these deep fakes. You should go Tom talk Cruise to the geniuses face. that are online. Is that us? Are we geniuses? <laughs> That's what Belichick. We're said. online. Um, okay. Let's go forward to the 2016 draft. This was like the big one. So this is the Jared Goff trade at number one, the Carson Wentz trade at number two, and then hilariously, which I forgot, so I looked this up, Paxton Lynch technically was traded up for. The Broncos went to get Paxton yeah. Lynch. Another person who I just forgot about. Shout out Danny Chow. But first of all, we can get into the specific terms of the deals, but Goff and Wentz obviously have both just been dealt away five years <laughs> after these trades. They both made a Super Bowl with those guys. Goff made the Super Bowl. The Rams lost. Eagles kind of made the Super Bowl with Wentz. Depends how you count it. Did this work or not? <laughs> no. My, my take... No. No. <laughs> my take on the 2016 draft is the biggest winner was everyone who drafted below the Rams and Eagles and got traded up over so they could take Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. The run after Goff and Wentz is Joey Bosa, Zeke Elliott, Jalen Ramsey, Ronnie Stanley, DeForest Buckner. Jesus. Unreal. And, and the, the Rams and Eagles were like, not only gave up stuff 
but they bypassed all these players to go get that. And like the Chargers sitting at number three got Joey Bosa without having to have the worst record in the league. Yeah. So to be clear, it's a top five defensive end. Whatever. I mean, top five running back, depending how you feel about Zeke, maybe the best cornerback in football in Jalen Ramsey, maybe the best left tackle in Ronnie Stanley and probably the best defensive tackle other than or best interior lineman other than Aaron Donald. Just boom, 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 boom. Think about the Rams. The Rams traded up to get Jared Goff. And then five picks after Jared Goff, Jalen Ramsey is picked. And then they trade to get Jalen Ramsey, giving up first round picks. (laughs) And then they give up first round picks to get rid of Jared Goff. So if you went back in time, (laughs) if you went back in time. You know, like they could have. I mean, they didn't have the number five pick. They had uh, the number 15 pick. They really wanted to trade up to number one. Um, And they end up giving away to the Titans. The Titans had the uh, number one pick initially. And the Titans got the picks that turned into Corey Davis, Derrick Henry, Johnny Smith, and another pick that they traded to get Jack Conklin. And it's like, that's, that's their team. You know, yeah, that is like, their team. But to your point, if they had, because considering they gave away basically two or I think three first round picks essentially for Goff for a couple seconds, and then ended up trading another two or three first rounders for Jalen Ramsey, if they had just taken Jalen Ramsey first overall, oh my God, they yeah. would have like four or five extra first round picks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So even if they had traded up with the Titans and then used it on Jalen Ramsey. They would have saved them in the wrong. That's hilarious. Okay, so what about the Wentz trade? The Eagles won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know Wentz was not actually the quarterback for the playoff run, but is that a failure? Like, was this a mistake? I don't know how to judge this. It's like they won, but not with him, but he was the reason they did it, and they just got rid of him, and everyone in Philadelphia is kind of done with Carson Wentz. Like, do you think the Eagles screwed up his development, or do you think that this was a mistake? I think injuries are part of it, too, though. You have to take into account... Um... It's so it's so tough to know with Wentz because, you know, maybe the book isn't completely finished, but for the Eagles, three out of four years or however long he was with the team, I would say go on the negative, <laughs> negative side. And then obviously the Super Bowl season was sort of like this perfect season. So uh, I don't know. It's so tough to know because and it's not like he got benched in that Super Bowl year. He was a, he was a part of what got them to the to the Super Bowl. But um, at the end of the day, to me, this is still an L. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? So Wentz to me is also a very interesting example to kind of like bring up right now because um, there's some parallels to Trey Lance, you know, obviously with um, coming out of, of North Dakota State, you know, and just lack of experience, which is a, a big knock against Wentz coming out, um, lack, lack of top tier competition. Basically, you could you could read Wentz's scouting report and more or less like transfer it over to Trey Lance in some ways. Um, and, and so I guess it's like the question with these quarterbacks is always like the situation. What, what kind of situation is he going to be put in? Roger, do you think DK's just been brainwashed in because it's North Dakota state football? North Dakota state is a beautiful thing that exists, crushing everything in its sight. Although they did lose this past week. And just because they're from the same extremely small dome on the northern plains does not make them the same quarterback (laughs) are mac jones into it well maybe (laughs) apparently mac jones is faster tom brady that's what i've heard the this 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 draft was so weird i think because 
the thing is with um with Goff and Wentz, neither of them were the best. They, they definitely were not the best two players in the draft. And this was like a strange draft where they both went one two, even though there were so many better players available because teams wanted those quarterbacks. I I don't I I didn't like Goff or Wentz's prospects. Um, and they didn't need to go one and one and two. Goff has this like loopy delivery and runs like a baby giraffe. So are we are we going to give the Rams an L for the Goff trade up? Is I that a loss? These teams get L's. I think the yeah. when the Eagles get an L. To, I have trouble giving the Eagles an L. Just they they won the freaking Super Bowl. Now maybe the fact that they won the Super Bowl without Wentz is proof that they didn't need him. But I still feel like that's the goal of the sport. And they probably don't do that if you didn't get them the number one seed. I, I really, at the very least, it has to be a wash. I cannot give them an L for the Wentz thing. So I, I'm fine putting the Goff, Goff trades an L. And then the real discussion here, the Broncos trade up for Paxton Lynch. I mean, you know, I mean, this is this is a monumental deal in NFL history. He's very tall is the thing. <laughs> yes. This is the one that solidified John Elway likes tall people. John Elway has a type. This was fun going through this, by the way, because there was multiple, like three or four guys I'd completely hadn't thought about for like several years and Paxton Lynch I'm pretty sure was on the Seahawks for a minute which is more hilarious um and the big thing with him and I think this is something again it's like take take this and and use it to give context to like what we're talking about now with quarterbacks this year accuracy was a big thing for him and obviously accuracy is important sometimes it's not a fixable trait with Josh Allen. In Josh Allen's case, he's one of the outliers that was able to like fix his accuracy, but accuracy was a huge, huge red flag for, for Paxton Lynch in college, and he was never able to fix that. There was also question marks about his work ethic and all that stuff. Which, I don't know if it was ever like officially reported, but there was rumors of that. So, um, yeah, Paxton Lynch, not a, not, a, not a hit. This one stylistically falls in with the Manziel trade where it's towards the end of the first round, and it's basically just the person in charge of a team being like, oh, I need this person. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Oh, I want that person. He's tall. I want him for my collection of tall quarterbacks. That, that's not what I think John Elway sounds like. I know he doesn't speak like that. He's in weird commercials for things. Um, but he just wanted a tall person. And, you know, he did not need a tall person. Maybe if you combine Johnny Menzel's too short, Paxton Lynch is too tall. But if we combine them into like one middle-sized person, that'd be better. And who's the best quarterback from the 2016 draft? Dak. He went four rounds later. None of these guys even thought about <laughs> there it. There you go. There you and go. Like everyone yeah. traded up and and there was an actual great quarterback. I know he wasn't like scouted. But so why is that? Like what? Like why was Dak just completely missed? That team did very well. I think with Dak, Dak is so... To the 2016 draft class overall is like a cautionary tale where you look at this and say, look, all these every quarterback is is a huge risk. There's it's you cannot predict what's going to happen in the future um, with Dak. He is a weird another rare guy. Everybody talks about Josh Allen. I just brought him up. But Dak is another guy whose accuracy seemed to improve when he got to the NFL for whatever reason. Um you know, maybe it was just the system he's playing and it was perfect for him, like the the run heavy play action, um, give him defined reads or whatever. But his accuracy got better when he got to the NFL. And so, you know, I don't know, like how do, what do we take from this is otherwise other than like it's fucking impossible to, yeah. to, to scout quarterbacks. <laughs> that seems to be an early theme. 
that's why I think trading up is such a risky thing because, yeah, you know, because yeah. the odds of anyone working out aren't good. My hypothesis from earlier panning out so far. My summary of the 2016 draft is basically the Rams and Eagles uh, spent $137,000 for a gift of LeBron James dunking on NBA Top Shot. <laughs> and they could have just watched it on YouTube and gotten Dak Prescott. <laughs> like, they did not need to pay all that to have that experience. Apologies to anyone who's out there making money on Top Shot. <laughs> but I think it's a lot like your job. I mean, they don't they don't need your apologies. They're happy making their money. <laughs> okay, let's get to the thrill in Manila of quarterback trade draft class first round situations. 2017. <laughs> Bears trade up for Mitchell Trubisky, RIP. Trade up Chiefs one trade spot. up for Patrick Mahomes. Texans trade up for Deshaun Watson. The Trubisky trade. Just a little brush up on history here. The Bears. We're picking third. The Niners were picking second. And then the Niners kind of extort the Bears and pretend that they'll like take Trubisky and end up or just that they'll trade the pick. No one's interested in this pick. And the Bears, because they needed to get Mitch so bad, basically tossed them. I think it was a third rounder to move up one spot for the spot that no one else wanted. And in fact, no one else wanted to trade up. No one else wanted that quarterback. And then the pick became Alvin Kamara, which they ended up flipping around. But. Um, I think it was it was two two third round picks, um, and one of them became Alvin Kamara. Obviously, you know that's lucky, and it didn't help the 49ers at all. But the other one was Fred Warner, who has very been good linebacker, the maybe the best yeah. middle linebacker in football. So, and that was the price. The bear. Those are obviously two very lucky hits in the third round, Kamara and Fred Warner. That doesn't you don't normally get possibly the two best players at their positions. But the Niners didn't want Mitch Trubisky because he's bad. And we knew this in 2017. Anyone who watched college football knew that he wasn't Deshaun Watson. And I, I, <laughs> yes, yeah. the thing that I always say about this 2017 draft is nobody expected Patrick Mahomes to be God's gift of football, which he has been. But it was <laughs> right, so right. clear that Deshaun Watson was the best quarterback there and even if that hasn't been true it was so obvious that he was better than Mitch Trubisky who ended up going number two and they could have had him at number three and also had Fred Warner and Alvin Kamara yes if they wanted (laughs) so DK that's my question for you is there the similarity between the 2017 draft and this year because you've got Zach Wilson who is he's not not the same as Trubisky Trubisky didn't even start till his senior year yeah to be clear I don't want to I'm not actually comparing him to Trubisky in skill i think there's some narrative similarities yeah like he's a late riser meteoric rise uh you could make the argument he's a bit of a one-year wonder but he has been a three-year starter he had he he was he started a little bit as a freshman and he was impressive sophomore season he had injuries kind of struggled and in fact came into this last season (laughs) i saw this nate tice from the athletic tweeted this it was like a athlon um magazine that had the preseason rankings for quarterbacks. Zach Wilson was the 50th quarterback in the class coming into the 2020 season. 50th. So he wrote like he rose. This has been a meteoric rise for him, regardless of what he did the previous two seasons. Um, And so like the the narrative thing to me, which I think is fascinating, is everybody is very, very much enamored with Zach Wilson. I get it. He's like a fun player, exciting style, throws off platform. 
you know, very good deep thrower, all this stuff, but it's pushing a guy like Fields, who has been doing this for a couple of years now, big games, you know, a lot of the same p- worries that people have about Fields. You could read a Deshaun Watson scouting report from when he was coming into the NFL, and it's exactly the same shit they're saying about Fields right now. Slow, slow through his progressions, takes too many sacks, um, you know, locks onto his first receiver. Uh, all this stuff, but but there's also a ton of similarities in their game, which is like a, you know he's he's played against the top competition, led his team um, to be a top team in college football, you know, all this stuff. Like very good runner, very good. Uh, you know, he he changes the math in terms of like the run game and all that stuff. So to me, it's just like fascinating that the narratives are so, sort of similar. I'm not saying I'm not saying that Zach Wilson is is Trubisky. In fact, I think Zach Wilson's gonna be good. I'm just saying. Fields getting pushed down the list is is the crazy thing to me. Roger, do you get Watson Trubisky vibes from the Fields Wilson debate right now? I I don't think any of these people are um, Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I wouldn't wish to be that. clear. To be he's clear. a one of yeah. one too, just like Mahomes is. But yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah, Justin much. Fields pretty is much. this guy. Justin Fields is this guy who um, came in and was such a fantastic college football player and like i don't it's not really the same but i i'm when i think about just an incredible performance that just made me like i i always think of what deshaun watson did against alabama winning that national championship game and just getting beaten up and playing through it and winning Mm -hmm. that game and it's not exactly the same thing, but I think of Justin Fields this year against Clemson where he just suffered this brutal injury and somehow had this incredible game in spite of it and ended up blowing out Clemson. And yeah. like these are college football superheroes that proved all of their traits, all of their talents that, you know, people had known about were capable of winning these games against the best teams in the sport willing their teams and it's just like yeah i want that guy that's exactly where i am roger like it's the same exact to me there's so many shades of watson and fields being kind of like in the same boat so i think that's a stronger narrative to me that's way like closer of a a comparison than saying that you know wilson's gonna be trisky because hell like i said at the beginning wilson has been getting comp to mahomes not that he is mahomes but like the playing style the off-platform throws there are shades there. So maybe he ends up being the best quarterback in this class. Um, but to me, yeah, the, the fields thing is very much shades of Watson. Watson, like people were very worried about, oh, he had X amount of picks. He, he's too cavalier with the ball. And the same things people said about uh, Mahomes coming in. So um, I just think, number one, that's an interesting narrative. Number two, all this stuff that we've been talking about just tells me like don't get too confident about how you feel about anybody because i mean hell i as as it stands right now i actually think all three of these guys uh, lawrence wilson and fields are all going to be good pros but history tells us that maybe one or two of those guys are not going to be good at all so i think we we broke off here at sort of a point where things were getting kind of we got up to the point where the chiefs and texans traded up for Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And I mean, you can't really disagree with that at all. They they got these superstar, two of the best players, the most important position in the sport. 
Uh, but, you know, I'm looking at the Bills. The Bills, you know, they ended up getting the pick that turned into Tredavious White. And then the next year, you know, they draft Josh Allen. So it doesn't really bum them out too much. And <laughs> right. the Browns, I remember everybody roasting them because in 2016, mm-hmm. they traded away out of the number two spot where they could have had Carson Wentz. And then the next year, they trade to the Texans, this pick that could have turned into Deshaun Watson. But they got all of these players out of those picks and sort of rebuilt their team and ended up with Baker Mayfield. Obviously, that's a bummer because he's not Deshaun Watson. He's better than Carson Wentz. But like it's I it still worked out for these two teams that traded out of these spots. I, I don't I think obviously the Chiefs and Texans win here, but I don't think it's a total L for these teams that traded they out traded back and, yeah. and still wound up. You know, if you ask the Bills, would you rather have Patrick Mahomes or all of these players and Josh Allen? They're probably going to say all those players and Josh Allen. I don't know if that's right, but at least they're happy with it and it seems to have worked out for them. (laughs) Right. No, I think you're right. These are the closest we have here to like true like win-win trades. The Bills got like five starters out of it. They got left tackle. Deion Dawkins, linebacker Trey May Edmonds. They got like a defensive backs around Neil. And then White, who's one, Tredavis White's probably the best cornerback in football, maybe, other than Jalen Ramsey. So, okay. So Mahomes, though, still, they got Mahomes. That's a win. Texans got Deshaun Watson. That's a win. It'll be an L when they trade him away in like two weeks from now. And then Trubisky, obviously, that's an L. So there you go. One other thing I wanted to bring up, I think it's hilarious because, and I do this, and I know, Roger, you've been a big fan of doing this too. Like talking about how the bear, the Bears missed out on Mahomes and Watson, but th- there's a lot of teams in the, in this little yes. gap here that also missed out on Mahomes right and Watson. This. You're right. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go down the list. The 49ers pick Solomon Thomas, who's been a uh, a bust at number three. Number four, the Jags, Leonard Fournette. Number five, the Titans. Corey Davis. I mean, I you know, I guess it worked out okay for them getting a team no, or whatever. No, they'd rather have Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. You would absolutely make that trade. Yeah, for sure. The Jets picked Jamal Adams, who they traded away a couple of years later. Uh, the Chargers, Mike Williams. I mean, he's been a solid pro, but not like not a game changer. The Panthers even would 100% make the trade. Christian McCaffrey for one of these two quarterbacks. And then the Bengals, John Ross at number nine. Heifetz's his least favorite player. The Panthers, I get it because Cam Newton's there. The Titans, I get it because Mariota was still there and they had just drafted him a couple years earlier. But the sure, Jets, sure. the Niners, the Niners had Hoyer that year and ended up getting Garoppolo. The Jaguars holding on to Bortles and then the Bengals holding on to Andy Dalton. Instead, they should, to your point, the Bears get too much flack. These other teams didn't even swing at quarterback in this draft <laughs> at yeah, all, which is yeah. way more inexcusable. It's it's actually yeah. better to be wrong. At least you tried than to not even play the game. And then you have John <laughs> Ross. And like nine months later, you're like, can you play quarterback? The Niners, the Niners, you know, they did a great job duping the Bears into thinking they were going to draft Mitchell Trubisky when they had no intention of doing that. But then they should have taken that number three pick and used it on these future superstar quarterbacks instead of Solomon Thomas. (laughs) Okay, let's get to the 2018 draft here. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of movement here. So the Jets moved up for Sam Darnold. They get through three second rounders out to the Colts to get move up three spots, turn it into like Quentin Nelson. They were starting right tackle Braden Smith. And then also got through a series of deals. Kamoko Ture, who's a great defensive end for them. Cornerback Rockius. And they, they did really well with this package. 
And then honestly, Quentin, Quentin Nelson's been a far better offensive lineman than Donald's been a quarterback. So, mm. R- Roger, you're the Jets fan here. Do you want this deal back? It's, again, it's, there were so many better quarterbacks than Sam Darnold. Um, I, in <laughs> in 2018, would have thrown a fit if they had waited until six and then gotten Josh Allen because I thought Josh Allen was going to suck. But I think that would have been better, obviously, than trading up <laughs> and getting, getting Sam Darnold. And I, I was a big Lamar Jackson fan at the time. Somehow he ends up going 32nd. You know, it's like the the thing about when we're discussing specifically the trade in a draft with five quarterbacks, which which this was this was a uh, this is a draft with five first round quarterbacks. Why are you moving up to get the second best one? I, I mean, how confident are you that that one is really going to be the second best one and not the third best or fourth best? In Darnold's mm. case, he turns out being the fourth best. And it just doesn't seem worth it to me. When when you're saying all this, Roger, part of me though is is wondering, you know, how much like I think the landing spot has a huge influence on the development of these players. You're so like, if, Sam if would have been good on any team besides the Jets, no, we're saying anybody on the Jets would have been bad. <laughs> well, maybe that. But then also, would Josh Allen be a different player if he had landed in a different team? Like the the Bills did an extraordinary job of matching him up with a offensive coordinator who was able to work with him and get hit the most out of him, like based on his skill set. And then also trading for Stefan Diggs. You know, they had this foundation there. They invested a lot in the offensive line. Not trying to make your life hell, Roger, but like So in this scenario, the Jets draft Josh Allen. He, he was bad as a rookie, objectively, even on the Bills. The Jets yeah. still go ahead, hire Adam Gase, and then Josh Allen God. is playing for Adam Gase. And <laughs> we're sitting here and we're like, well, Josh Allen clearly still sucks ass and they should right. have drafted him. But at least and, you get right. to gloat about being right about Josh Allen in that timeline. Yeah, that changes a lot. But that, that does make it a little... <laughs> I, I get to think I'm smarter than the Jets. Um, so, yeah. That there, there is that the what if always has to be a lot more multifaceted than than we make it sometimes. Yeah, but for sure. Still, I think you don't need to trade up to get Sam Darnold's because uh, I mean, look that that pick turns into Quentin Nelson. He's good. So the Darnold trade up is an L, and then the next one is the Bills moved up for Josh Allen. They went from the twelfth pick to the seventh pick for two second rounders. Obviously, this is a win. The Bucks got two Big decent win. players out of it. They got Carlton Davis and Andre Stewart's good defensive backs. But obviously, the Bills win that trade. I think that's obvious. We just hit that. Mm-hmm. The Cardinal. The next one was the Cardinals moved up for Josh Rosen. This is they hilarious. I forgot about uh, this. The offense just fell wow. apart. They literally were one of the worst offenses of all time. Got the first pick again, and then just took Kyler Murray and just pretended the whole thing never happened. Which honestly, they were ahead of their time. <laughs> I mean, that is yeah. That's actually another great lesson for a lot of teams and that's exactly goes back to what we were talking about just now high fits where you're like oh titans had mariota um you know moving on from a guy who's who's not the who's clearly not going to be the guy now it's always easy to say in hindsight what who's clearly not the guy but yeah i mean moving on and going with a better player even at a position where it's so hard to do that with quarterback i think it makes a lot of sense and that's probably what the jets are going to do this year you know at that number two spot I think that theory goes hand in hand with the theory about you don't need to trade up for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You don't need to invest time because 
there are going to be other quarterbacks available. You just want to keep on trying them out until you get the one that hits. Well, yeah, I I don't know if it means don't trade up, but I think it does mean just don't just be honest with yourself. I think that it's a mistake to draft draft Josh Rosen, but it's a significantly bigger mistake to not admit that you made a mistake because then they wouldn't have taken Kyler Murray. And at the time, it was a little radical. I mean, everyone kind of ended up getting and rolling with it, but they were the first one to be like, actually, we're going to completely abandon our first-round quarterback from last year. It had basically never happened in NFL history to just take a different guy and be like, that guy we top 10 last year, we're we're done with him. But they were right, and I think that other teams now are much more open-minded to it. But still, bad trade. The Cardinals walked so other teams could run. Exactly, or fly, huh, Cardinals. (laughs) And then the last one here is the Lamar trade. The Ravens traded, quote-unquote, up. I don't think this one even counts. This was the second player in the first round that the Ravens drafted. So every team in the league passed on Lamar, including the Ravens. So I don't even think that Hayden Hurst, baby. I don't even think this counts, even though technically they traded up for him. Yeah. Uh, literally every team passed on Lamar, which says a lot. And then he won MVP. And then he won MVP. <laughs> this shows how little the NFL knows and, you know, g- generally speaking, anyone knows about what quarterbacks are going to do. And it's another example to me of, of a team that changed their whole philosophy, changed their whole scheme, made it the perfect situation, not the perfect, but like a very good situation for Lamar to thrive. And not every team would have done that. Maybe some teams would have tried to turn him into like just a drop back passer or whatever. I just want to recount these buckets. We just good trades, bad trades. The, the trades that worked, the teams that went up to grab a quarterback in the first round and then it worked. The Patrick Mahomes trade. Huge the, win. The, the Sean Watson trade. Josh Allen. Well, lo- in the long term, well, Maybe they screwed up everything else, but that was a good move. <laughs> yeah, that was a great move, yeah. The Josh Allen deal and then Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson doesn't even count because the Ravens, if they really wanted him, they would have taken him with their first first-round pick. So it's really just three. It's Mahomes, Watson, and Josh Allen. The trades that where they traded up and it didn't really work. Wait, hold on, because I kind of feel like, are we talking about process or results? I mean, that's a fair question. If you're talking about process, I kind of feel like the RG3 trade was a good trade. It just didn't okay. happen because he got hurt. That's but fair. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, regardless, so you can put the RG3 yeah. trade in here for good trades. Fine, that's fair. RG3, okay. Mahomes, Watson, Josh Allen. So four. I'm not counting Lamar then because it's bad process. Bad <laughs> trades that did not work. Lane Gabbert, Johnny Menzel, mm. Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Paxton Lynch, lol, Mitchell Trubisky, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. Do we care that Jared Goff got the Rams to the Super Bowl? That's what I said to you and you laughed. I know, but now I'm rethinking it. Like, maybe that was a good trade. I think we can put him in the mech. I think Wentz, Goff go in the mech category. They're kind of like, I don't know if they won or lost. I don't think it's fair to call them losers. And I also don't think it's fair to call them winners because they signed them to extensions and immediately regretted it. So I think that they're mech. But regardless, it's kind of like a tie almost. It's it's, it's very mixed feelings. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Thinking about that list, how does this inform what you guys think now about this 2021 class? especially since overconfidence yeah. seems to be a theme. Can we get a scoreboard? How many, what was our, out of how many did we say were good trades and how many did we say were bad? It's we basically four good, good trades. trades. No, I'm not counting Lamar. 
the good trades are four. It's RG3, Mahomes, Deshaun, and Josh Allen. It's four good trades. And then there are six bad trades. Blaine Gabbert, Johnny Menzel, Paxton Lynch, who all those are late round. Or sorry, Menzel and Paxton Lynch are late round. Mitchell Trubisky, Donald Rosen. So there's four good trades, six bad ones, and then two meh ones of Goff and Wentz. And you're just throwing Jackson out because they passed on him? Yes, I don't think it counts because it implies that the whole league, like it, trading up implies that if you don't it. go get they him, he won't fall to you. Got him. No, but if, I don't if, know. if you trade up, you're implying that if you don't go get this guy, someone else will take him from you. And that literally was not what the Ravens did. I think more often than not here, it, it didn't work out for these teams. And yeah. I think that's that's generally true with with drafting quarterbacks. quarterbacks. In general. So it's may, it's maybe <laughs> not the, the like most profound thing for us to realize, but more often than not, it didn't work out for these teams. And yeah, and I think did we had RG three as a good one as opposed to a wash. That was my argument. You could make the argument against it, though. I think yeah. it's a good point because RG three got hurt, and that was a really weird situation where Washington's field seemed to be subpar. They should have traded for a, a sod guy. Yeah, they should have traded for a sod guy. And then also they had this weird campaign. He had that campaign with Adidas or whatever, like all in for week one that they launched in February. So he had a Ugh. marketing campaign pressuring him to play. And then he shouldn't have. It was just it was bungled in a bunch of ways that probably to Deke's point, it's not fair to put on the trade itself, even though the outcome, the process was I, 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 I'm, I think, I'm fine calling it a decent trade. I think overall, though, like what Roger was saying and what the big lesson here is. It's always a big crapshoot to take a quarterback bottom line. Trading up and giving up major pieces to take a quarterback can compound the badness <laughs> of doing it, right? Like the badness of missing on a on a first-round quarterback. And so I don't know what the lesson is. I don't think teams can necessarily stop going up to get their guy because quarterback has the power to change. It's like, you know, these these trades might be compounded in a, in a negative way if you miss on these guys. But at the same time, like think about what the Chiefs have done with Patrick Mahomes, you know, like the risk is worth the reward in that case. So teams are going to continue to do this. I just think the lesson here is that, at least for me, as I'm trying to like go through myself and evaluate all these quarterbacks, is that having overconfidence that you know who's going to be a good quarterback is probably a fool's errand you know what i mean like these guys so many variables come into play and so many different things have to go right the three trades that really 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 hit here are mahomes watson josh allen so basically if it, it works out if you found a superstar but every team that's going to trade up is going to say we really think this guy is going to be a superstar that's it's yeah. like it makes sense if it's a superstar but do you I really don't trust NFL teams' ability to look at themselves and actually be right about that. I think they're going to be wrong more often than not. And when I'm looking at this draft class with this middle section of quarterbacks behind Trevor Lawrence, I'm headed back down, um, where you've got Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and you have so many differing opinions on them, I wouldn't be willing to give up something just because I think one of those guys is going to be better than the others. I would wait for my turn and take the guy that falls to me because you've got three guys there that I I think are exciting and I think could turn out well. I would rather not end up giving up a first or second round pick to make sure I specifically have Trey Lance right. or Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, 
let's look at the actual draft here for a second. So the draft order is the Jaguars are first. They're going to take Lawrence. So basically, the Jets are on the clock at number two. They need a quarterback right. unless they keep Darnold or trade for Deshaun. But right now, they need a quarterback. The Dolphins are at three. They're probably keeping Tua. I don't think it would be stunning if they did the Josh Rosen thing and dumped Tua, but I no, think they it wouldn't, won't. It wouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, then you've got the Falcons at four. I think they're expected to take a quarterback to eventually replace Matt Ryan. Then you've got the Bengals at five, who probably looking at a tackle or trading down. Then the Eagles yeah. at six, who probably want a quarterback. The Lions at seven, who just have Jared Goff. And then the Panthers at eight, who are probably aggressively looking at a quarterback. So that right there is, depending on how you count, that's one, the Jaguars, Jets, Falcons, Eagles, and Panthers. That's like five teams who might take a quarterback in the top eight. So, Roger, the Jets are at the head of this pack right now. So, what mm-hmm. do you, like, are you, in a way, would it be nuts if they traded down with, like, the Falcons <laughs> or the Eagles and Panthers and then took a quarterback anyway? Is that crazy? I don't think that'd be ridiculous to get a, get a good haul and end up with, it's risky, though. Then you're gonna no one, no one does that, good. to be clear. No one ever is just like, yeah, I'll just take whatever quarterback's left. It's fine. That's not just not a thing. That's right. that's what that's what like in theory should happen, but it's such a ridiculous thing. You don't want to go to like, can you imagine the Jets having to like do that press conference where like the New York Post, the New York Daily News are like, so you could have drafted the second best quarterback, but you decided you were okay with the first best. <laughs> What's up with that? They're like, like, well, I listen to this podcast and it's like, it's all just dart throws anyway. We didn't have any conviction on any of these guys. So we're just hoping for the best. Yeah. In theory, that's what like in this draft, which seems to me like such a crapshoot. And it just like, that's what I like. That's what I'm doing in Madden where I can restart (laughs) if it doesn't work out. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't actually see them doing that hypothetical scenario and it, it does seem to me like if you're the Panthers there at eight and you're worried that all four of those quarterbacks are going to be gone you're not just going to let it happen you're going to trade yeah. up and try to get one of them whatever it takes instead of sitting around yeah. up t- using a top 10 pick on Mac Jones Miami's almost I feel like Miami's a lock to trade back at number three so I guess my thinking here is maybe we're looking at all of this a little backward. We have this very determined thing that it's about the player, right? And yet we kind of look at some of these, and a lot of it is also about the situation, right? The Eagles drafted Wentz, and yet that team went to the Super Bowl without him. They were really good. The Rams drafted Goff, went to the Super Bowl, but like not because of Goff. He was kind of like just there. And so I'm looking at these teams, and it's like, should we be looking at this backward? And it's not, is Fields going to be good? Is Trey Lance going to be good? It's which of these situations is best suited mm-hmm. for a rookie quarterback? And whoever goes there will probably succeed. Because I'm looking at this list. I think the Falcons are a hell of a place for an op for a quarterback to go. I don't really know yeah, or care yeah. if it's Justin Fields or it's Trey Lance. But, like, they have a solid offensive line. They've, they've invested in that. They have Julio Jones. They have Calvin Ridley. Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, who's the new head coach, who's a great offensive mind. He, like, revitalized Tannehill's career. Why should I be more convinced that Fields will be good or any of these individuals will be good instead of just being, I bet whoever goes to the Falcons will be the best guy. I don't care I think this is. is. Yeah, this is such a great point. This is really like, it's why it's, it almost makes talking about these guys before the draft so sort of moot because it does matter where they land, right? And I think if Fields lands in Atlanta, I'm going to be even more confident that he's going to have a good career. You know what I mean? Because that's a great fit for him. Um, 
And then whoever lands with the Jets is like you. It, it starts to make you a little bit worried because the Jets have that history. Now they do have a new coach. They do have a new coach, new offensive system, and, and all that. So maybe the, the maybe the slate is clean. But um, and I said earlier, there are going to be three good quarterbacks, and the Jets are going to draft the fourth one with the number two pick. It wasn't. It was a little bit of a joke, but also kind of the way this works, as you were saying. <laughs> yeah, right. we're gonna have, we're gonna have. Whichever one gets to be coached by, how are we feeling about Matt LaFleur's longer, younger brother as the Jets OC? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think that the Shanahan system in theory is the best thing for Darnold. But I, I kind of just think it's still the Jets. I think Robert Sala is, is, I mean, he has to change the entire culture. And like if he does, Mazel tov, But I just, I'm not willing to bet on it. And I think it's important to note that we're basically saying, what are the quarterback trade-ups that worked? Mahomes and Watson are the best two, right? And then Josh Allen. Well, it's worth noting, before Mahomes showed up, the Chiefs went 11 and 5, 9 and 7, 11 and 5, 12 and 4. Then yeah, I mean, they, they got Mahomes. He sat for a year. They went 10 and 6. They made the playoffs four times before he showed up. The Texans, as much as we like to make Great fun point. of them, they did win the division the two years before he showed up. Like they yeah. were in first place, made the playoffs, made the divisional round, and weirdly almost beat the Patriots somehow, even with like uh, Brock Osweiler and Brian Hoyer, or whoever they had that year. So I think it's worth noting that the guys who succeeded by and large were in really successful places. These were not guys that went to two and 14 dumpster fires. And it's like, hey, turn this whole thing around. They had a lot of help. You need to have someone from Western New York tell you about the history of the Buffalo Bills. before Josh Allen. <laughs> I, yeah, I left that one off because it would detract from the point. But regardless. But they, they also made the playoffs, right? Uh, they they did, also made yes. the playoffs with Tyrod. Exactly. So, yeah, the point, the point they stands. Were, they were all building something before these dudes walked into the building. And I think that that's a really important point. I think that's such an interesting point, too. And, and something that has been talked about recently is that in a lot of draft classes, right, the top, the, the first quarterback taken, it it's like much more rare that they turn into the best quarterback in that class, quote, best quarterback, or like in hindsight, the best quarterback. And it's like it's exactly because that a lot of times these guys are going that, that are going the third or fourth or fifth quarterback in this class. They're going to a situation that helps them thrive. You know what I mean? They're going to better teams because they're being picked later. And so that's something that you can't forget either is, you know, that's why, like, for instance, Joe Burrow has such a he has a climb ahead of him because he he landed on such a, a bad team with a bad roster. Um, and Lawrence is going to face the same challenges. though. I'd say, you know, the landing spot is pretty solid for him. But the, the guys that go first overall or go in the top three or whatever, they have such a different, it's such a different scenario for them for their career. They have to really take charge of the teams and dig them out of the hole. So absolutely, I think that's a huge point to, to remember as we're going through all this process. I did this post yesterday on TheRinger.com, which is a website um, that we went, website. I went through every draft. And of the 51 drafts since the merger, 20 times the first quarterback taken has gone on to have the most successful career. So that's about 40%. And mm -hmm. when it's, when it's the number one pick, it's a little bit better. It's uh, 11 out of 24 at the number one spot, which is about 45%. But mm -hmm. still that's, that's less than half. You'd want it to be better with that's the number crazy. one pick. Yeah, I mean, we did a whole yeah. thing on the number one picks the last episode we did last Friday. And like, they're kind of underwhelming. It's just kind of an underwhelming group. But to that point, for this year's draft, I think that maybe we can kind of invert the question here. Instead of saying, DK, who's like the, the best quarterback? I think that it's what's the dark horse team 
that could put a quarterback in a position to thrive. And I'm looking at this board and we're like, oh, I'm looking at the 49ers here at the 12th pick. Jimmy Garoppolo, yep. they could cut him tomorrow for and pay him like three million bucks or nothing. I don't think that'll happen. But if the Niners were to draft a quarterback, I don't think anyone would be shocked, right? Because Jimmy G's fine, but he's not like some long-term superhero. And I kind of, I'm not like a huge Mac Jones fan, but if the Niners drafted Mac Jones at 12, or they traded up for Trey Lance at seven or something, and then five years from now, we're like, wow, that was the best pick. My takeaway isn't Mac Jones was the best class. It's the Niners were the best place. And so I'm kind of looking at this in a different lens of the Niners if any of these guys go to San Francisco, I think could immediately be the best player. Like, not a Mahomes, because no one's a Mahomes, but at Sean Watson level, wow, that guy's a great pick. And I feel the same way about the Falcons and maybe, maybe about Denver. I'm not quite as confident in the overall staff, but they have, they've invested, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Yeah. They've inve- they have I'm a lot you, of receivers I'm, I'm there in an offensive line. Maybe. So why isn't Drew Lock? Never mind. <laughs> why isn't Drew <laughs> Well, I think Drew Lock sucks. Okay, got it. But there you go. I'm following my own logic. <laughs> Are there any other situations here that you guys think stand out that so, like someone has a like a team could take a quarterback and that they would thrive in a specific situation? DK, does anyone stand out to you here? Yeah, you you have to throw the Saints into the into the mix. Granted, they have what is it negative seventy million? <laughs> They're like yeah. over the cap seventy million. So that is a factor. Pick. Yeah. So they, that's a factor. It's going to be hard for them to move up. But if you see a situation where, I mean, this is a long time ago, but like Aaron Rodgers fell into the whatever it was later part of the first round, um, and they only have to move up a few picks, then that's the situation where you could be like, hey, you're landing on a team with a very good defense, Sean Payton calling plays, Michael Thomas catching passes, and you could build a scenario where this guy does the best of all of them, regardless of like the the order that he gets taken in. Maybe it's Mac Jones, maybe it's Trey Lance, he falls because he's inexperienced or whatever. That's a situation I'll be watching and be like, hmm, I could actually see this guy having the most success out of everyone, even though he might be not my favorite guy in this class based on my rankings. Roger, any teams here stand out or any any places you want one of these players to go? Other than when, the Jets? When you're talking about when you're talking about which teams that already seem to have a good setup, the Dolphins having the number three pick because of that Texans trade. Yeah. I like I they almost made the playoffs with Tua who had a bad rookie year and maybe you wonder can Tua develop into something better as as other quarterbacks have in the past. But man, you really wonder if like one of these guys is a dynamo superstar quarterback. The Dolphins grabbing that player and already having that incredible defense and everything that Brian Flores is building. That would be really cool. I hope Tua turns into that player, but it would also be interesting if they 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 have such an interesting situation. I think the most likely thing is they do trade down because, you know, they already have that young quarterback and um they they clearly are good at building a team, so they're gonna want that those extra draft picks. But yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's such an interesting situation and thank Bill O'Brien for making it happen. <laughs> that's Bill O'Brien is actually God in Miami. They don't thank God in Miami. They just thank <laughs> Bill O'Brien. Thank you, Bob, for everything. Bob, yeah. And I have to thank you, Roger, for coming on. Thank you, DK. This was a lot of fun. D- Roger, any final pleas for the Jets? You want to speak directly to GM Joe Douglas? Don't hurt me again. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's perfect. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Roger. Thank you to everyone for listening. That's the big board on the Ringer NFL show, and we will see you guys next week. And then also you can catch Kevin and Noor breaking down the latest in the NFL offseason on Tuesday on this feed, especially that's the franchise tag deadline. So thank you guys for listening.